0: This talk was given by Linda Shinji Hoffman at Zen Mountain Monastery. Shinji is a senior lay student in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon to all of you here and all of you at home, and especially Tenfu, how we wish you were here with us. Ango, the An is dwelling, peaceful dwelling, Ango. And I have been thinking about dwelling and um about being in a hut. I've been um, reading and studying an eighth-century teaching, Song of the Grass Roof Hermitage. And I thought I would share this with you today because it's It has so many good teachings about Sashin and Zazen. So I want you to first, before I read it, imagine, just imagine for a moment, that you're in a small, grass-roof hermitage. And there's your, your seat, your cushion, or your chair, and an altar, an incense, and a candle, and the Buddha, or maybe, or maybe both, Avalokiteshvara or Manjushri. Whoever you need to help you is there with you. And you have enough room to lie down and rest. You have a corner with a little stove. So you have all your food that you need. You have water from the river. You have everything you need. It's all there for you. And that is what we have right here during session, during this time that we really do practice in solitude, in a solitary small hut, you might say. I'm going to read the song. This is by Shi 8th-century Chinese master. I've built a grass hut where there's nothing of value. After eating, I relax and enjoy a nap. When it was completed, fresh weeds appeared. Now it's been lived in covered with weeds. The person in the hut lives here calmly, not stuck to inside, outside, or in between. Places worldly people live, they don't live. Realms worldly people love, they don't love. Though the hut is small, it includes the entire world in 10 square feet. A person illumines forms and their nature. A Mahayana Bodhisattva trusts without doubt. The middling or lowly can't help wondering Will this hut perish or not? Perishable or not, the original master is present, not dwelling south or north, east or west. Firmly based on steadiness, it can't be surpassed. A shining window below the green pines Jade palaces or vermilion towers can't compare with it. Just sitting, with head covered, all things at rest. Thus, this mountain hermit doesn't understand at all. Living here, they no longer work to get free. Who would proudly arrange seats trying to entice guests? Turn around the light to shine within, then just return. The vast inconceivable source can't be faced or turned away from. Meet the ancestral teachers, be familiar with their instruction. Bind grasses to build a hut and don't give up. Let go of hundreds of years and relax completely. Open your hands and walk innocent. Thousands of words. Myriad interpretations are only to free you from obstructions. If you want to know the undying person in the hut, don't separate from this skin bag here and now. So the author, Shidao, and in Japanese, we chant his name, Sekito Kisen, is a foundational teacher in the Soto School. Hongzhu, who wrote Cultivating the Empty Field, um, came some 400 years later and references, refers to him. Shidao also wrote, the um, identity of absolute and relative, or relative and absolute, that we chant every day. He trained as a young man with Hui Nang, the sixth patriarch, and then with Hui Nang's successor. He was not well known until long after his death, and he lived apparently on a large rock, or near a large rock, and thus his name, Shidal, which I assume means rock. So he begins with, I've built this hut where there's nothing of value. So that's pretty obvious. It's somewhere distant far away, um, not a place where many people go, it's not a coveted place, Um, it's isolated, it's far, it's probably hard to get to, and um, it's hard to get here too, right? If you're a lay practitioner, it is hard to leave home. Sometimes there's difficult situations to leave, there's loved ones, it's hard, but you're here. And I, I honestly can't imagine for, for the monks who are here, leaving home, what, that, what that's really like. But I'm grateful for you all. So um, it is hard to make that choice, but we are here in this session on our mat, in our hut. And then he says, after eating, I relax and have a nap. Like, that's his second line? (laughs) (laughs) So I did think about this, but I thought, like, there's some different things, like, For some of us, we love to do. Like, I know that role. Doing and doing and, you know, always doing something else and taking on something else. So it's actually something to learn, right, to rest. I remember I came here. um, This was when I I was actually, like, in treatment. and um, for, for radiation, uh, getting radiation. But like, it's a two week cycle. And so you feel pretty good by the second, towards the end of the second week. And so I wanted to be here. So I came for a um, weekend session and went to um, to for work practice. And my name was called and it was personal care. It's like, I had never heard that before. What's that? Like, what? What? And um, because, you know, I thought, well, they're not going to, like, ask me to carry wood or something. But um, wow, I went upstairs, and I remember I just lay down in bed. Mm -hmm. I just went out. Like, Mm -hmm. it was the best sleep, and I got up, and I could come down and practice, and yeah, like, maybe, maybe we all, like, rest. It's actually important, right? We have to know. And, and we have our vows that are so important to us also, to save all sentient beings and, and, and do what we can. This world needs every one of us so badly. But we also need to rest, and we need to eat, Like, there are these conditions, and and it's written down, I know, in some of the different sutras or um, teachings. Like, you actually, in order to do good spiritual practice, we need good food. We need food. We need to be able to do this. So that actually is important that they're there to begin with. Then he says, after it was built, weeds appeared. Now it's covered with weeds. So, so what are these weeds that he's referring to? Like, he's a great teacher. He's an enlightened teacher. And he's telling us that weeds appeared. So I guess if we're human, we all have weeds. And weeds appear, and they continue to appear. So he doesn't seem concerned about them, though. The hut's just covered with weeds. Suzuki Roshi, you know, who was one of the early Japanese teachers who brought Zen to America, said, even though you have some difficulty in your practice, What is difficult will also help you. Be grateful for the weeds you have in your mind, because eventually they will enrich your practice. I've been weeding for the last two work periods and thinking about weeds, too. You know, they're they're always there. You're never going to get rid of them. In your mind or in the earth. Of course, um, you know, weeds have a bad name, but another definition is just a plant growing in a place that you don't want it to. So we bring our weeds with us, don't we? And they're real, and they're uniquely ours, and they're our fears our conditioning, our own habits. So we don't want to become attached to them. We don't want to cling to them. Sometimes if it's a weed, I think of this, if it's something that just like in your zazen that takes over, like, and, and you just, I know, I have to stop it, right? Like a weed that is really strangling a plant. Well, you have to chop it down and feed it to the compost. And so we can, when there's a weed that we just, is taking over. Yes, there is the instruction of be, if something is coming up, be that. Just be it fully an emotion, a strong emotion. But I also find sometimes I just have to like say no, like go away and put my mind on something else, like my breath, and be really just forcefully adamant I'm going to stay on the breath and let that weed, because there are weeds, I think, that don't serve us. The person lives here calmly, not stuck to inside, outside, or in between. Again, this is kind of our zazen, right? Sit calmly. Be calm in your hut. Well, that that sounds easy, but sometimes it's really hard. Right? We just want to squirm our way out of here. If we're in pain, if our knees hurt, emotional pain. But we do have to be still. Not get stuck inside, outside, or in between. So where are we? Alone. On our mat? In our hut? being nowhere, being no one. Thomas Merton, the Trappist monk who was very influenced by Buddhism, said, not all people are called to be hermits, but all of us need enough silence and solitude in our lives to enable the deep inner voice of our own true self to be heard. For we cannot go on happily for long unless we are in contact with the springs of spiritual life, which are hidden in the depths of our being. Places worldly people live, she doesn't live. Places worldly people love, they don't love. So when it's 15 below, yes, maybe a vacation in the Caribbean might be good. But then I think, oh, is that really going to help me? Is that really going to bring me closer to the peace that I seek? I mean, maybe it could, but in my case, it would be a complete distraction. In the um, Theragata, the collection of the verses of the elder monks, a monk, Ganga says, I made a hut from three palm leaves by the Ganges, took a crematory pot for an eating bowl, lifted my robe off a trash bin. Two rainy seasons passed, and I spoke only one word. Clouds came again, but this time the darkness tore open. We never know. When the clouds will open, we have to have faith and trust because this little hut includes the entire world. Dogen says, and we hear this often, studying the self is forgetting the self. Forgetting the self is being enlightened by the ten thousand things. There is nothing that we can't meet in our zazen, in our little hut, inside. That's where we're looking. And I I guess I find this this little hut image so powerful because. When I'm sitting in session, it's so easy to kind of hear the person breathing next to me or a cough. And I realize how often I leave my mat. And so I find this image of a hut because I've been like thinking of it while I've been. Kind of sitting and um, preparing for session, that it keeps you. It's what we want. It's we need to stay on our mat, in our body, in our own mind, because more it's so easy to drift off. So the more time that we actually can stay, Right here, which is what Session is about, which is this opportunity we have that we can stay in ourselves. In 10 square feet, an elder illumines forms and nature. So that's what we're doing. How do we illumine forms and nature? So illumine is to lighten, to brighten, to enlighten. So this person in the hut begins to see the true nature of forms, to see their impermanence, their inherent emptiness, the true nature of their own conditioning and habits. This is our zazen. This is practicing. Hang says, and I mentioned this is 400 years later, You must completely withdraw from the invisible pounding and weaving of your ingrained ideas. If you want to get rid of this invisible turmoil, you must sit through it and let go of everything. The song goes on and says, A Mahayana Bodhisattva, trust without doubt. So that kind of caught me, trust without doubt. And we talk about doubt as being important, the three pillars. But I, I guess I thought, well, If the bodhisattva has no doubt, and I I was thinking, like, well, when do I have the most doubt? And I have the most doubt about myself. Like, I can't do this, or I'm going to fail, or. And so trusting without doubt is knowing there's no self. Because if we're not doubting ourselves in that way, in that way that doesn't help us, we're free. And so that's how I kind of used that as a teaching, that Mahayana Bodhisattva trusts without doubt. So creating this little place of calm Outside of the world of distractions is what we're doing with our simplicity and solitude. And it's really so simple, isn't it? A two-foot by three-foot mat. Or chair. Or bed, if we have to lie down. I was just thinking of What we do, we bow to our seat when we, before we sit, we bow when we enter. We would bow when we would enter our hut. Always to be grateful. We have this opportunity. We have this opportunity to be here, to bow to our seat, to sit on this mat. The food arrives at the door, right? Our wonderful cooks and servers who bring us our meals. I mean, it's truly amazing that everything is here for us to do this. There's always, in the beginning especially, like I remember being told, Oh, Sashin, no, it's really hard. It's so hard. And it is, and it can be, but... Everything is designed for us to do this. And the simplicity is really important, right? We don't need too many possessions. We don't have to change clothes all the time. It reminded me of Layman Pong, who was um, an enlightened lay practitioner, and he he realized that his possessions were getting in the way. He piled them all up. I mean, he did have a family, so I guess they all agreed. But um, maybe they were going on like some kind of, you know, what is it when you go around traveling? A pilgrimage, thank you. So he loaded everything into a boat and went out into the middle of a lake and just dumped it all in. Gone. And um, when he was asked, well, why did you do that? Why didn't you, like, offer all these things to other people? And um, I guess he just said, I don't want anyone else to be burdened by them. So he had a point. But the reason I also brought him up is he studied with Shi Dao. And... There's a story that Chidao asked Pang, "What he'd been doing lately?" And Pang responded with a poem. My daily activities are not unusual. I'm just naturally in harmony with them. Grasping nothing, discarding nothing. In every place. There's no hindrance, no conflict. Who assigns the ranks of vermilion and purple? The hills and mountains' last speck of dust is extinguished. Supernatural power and marvelous activity, drawing water and carrying firewood. So, in our practice, in our session, we are always cautioned. Protect the silence. And part of that is so we too can enjoy the wondrous activity of chopping wood and carrying water, or chopping carrots or peeling onions, emptying dishes and I guess, prison correspondence, or watering plants, or cleaning bathrooms, whatever we're doing. We can make our work practice wondrous. kinsei Rinpoche had a poem about a hut. He's a kind of a beloved, no longer alive Tibetan teacher. I don't know. I always picture him. I think because I have a picture of him on one of my books. And he's very large. And he just has this, like, beatific smile. So very, like, grandfatherly. And he says, If you wish to practice properly, sustain yourself with dharma, your dharma with a humble life, your humble life with the thought of death, your thought of death with a lonely hut. When unfavorable places are abandoned, disturbing emotions gradually fade. When there are no more distractions, positive activities naturally increase. As awareness becomes clearer, confidence in the Dharma grows. To rely on solitude is the practice of a bodhisattva. This is our practice this week. Solitude. To rely on ourselves. This is what um, Roshi talked about in the Mondo, right, referring to the Buddha when, in the Mahaparinibbana Sutra, when um, Ananda realized that the Buddha really was going to die, well, he he was like, not yet, not yet. You haven't like you haven't given us. The, the last your last teaching your your last words like what tell us what what are we going to do and the Buddha said Ananda be islands unto yourselves refuges unto yourselves seeking no external refuge with the Dharma as your island the dharma as your refuge, seeking no other refuge. So all these different teachers, all these different ways and instructions are pointing us to just what we're doing right now in session, in our zazen, alone, on our cushions. Shidel does mention a shining window below the pines. So I'm imagining, like in that picture in the Ox Herding series, where the person is in the little hut looking out the window. The ox and whip are all forgotten. Um, The moon is shining. We're not completely cloistered away. We have our eyes lowered, but we're still aware, right? We're still connected. We're not in a dark, dark cave where there's no one around. We do sense what's going on. We sense each other. And then he says, just sitting with all things at rest, thus. I love when we hear thus, like thus the bodhisattva lives prajna paramita with no hindrance in the mind, no hindrance, therefore no fear. Like I repeat those two lines often. Thus, I feel like, is this indicator, like something good is going to come. And so in this poem, thus, the mountain monk doesn't understand at all. There we are, of course, right? We're Zen students. We're always being told it's not about understanding. We need to realize the way Zen is direct experience, you in your body, on your cushion. Living here, they no longer work to get free. Who would proudly arrange seats trying to entice guests? Sitting here, there is nothing to get free from. We learn, right, to be open, to allow whatever arrives. When it's cold, we're cold. When it's hot, we're hot. We learn it will change. We don't need to entice guests. We can be simple and humble. There's no product to sell. I guess I think of the um, Again, in the ox herding, that last stage, with open hands and open heart, the person is in the marketplace, just offering themselves. And then he ends with a few more verses. Turn around the light to shine within. Then just return, the vast inconceivable source can't be faced or turned away from. We are home. We are whole. We can be like the sky holding all the clouds, like the ocean holding the waves in our solitude and in our stillness. Meet the ancestral teachers and hear their instructions. Bind grasses to build a hut and don't give up. So he's saying you can do this. You can sip tea with Hui Nang, with Shi Dao, with Dogen, with Iron Grindstone Lu. They can all come to your hut. They can. All meet you. They might be lining up for a cup of tea. But I like the encouragement you can do this. I think it's really important to remember each of us can do this. Let go of hundreds of years and relax completely. Hundreds of years. Hundreds of years of ideas and hurts and definitions and descriptions. Just let everything go. Open your hands and walk innocent. All the teachings are only to free you from the obstructions of your own mind. Hongzhur said, put to rest the remnants of your conditioning. Sit empty of worldly anxiety, silent and bright, clear and illuminating, blank and accepting, far reaching and responsive. And Shidao ends with, if you want to know the undying person in the hut, don't separate from this skin bag here and now." I thought the skin bag originated with Dido. (laughs) I guess it didn't. But it is a great image. There are so many instructions, and they all point to each of us, all of us, offering ourselves to this world. I love this teaching, this training, to be yourself, to be fully yourself. And that is enough. I guess I'm, I needed that, I need that. I feel like I don't always think that, like I'm not enough and I need to do more or, but we are, each of us, more than enough. In um, instructions for hermitage, so being in a hut, in a real hut. Shugen Roshi wrote, solitary hermitage rests in the womb of heavenly light mountain. Sitting in boundless solitude day and night, the gate of the head's crown is open, no inside, no outside, no in between. Just calm and vast. And Dogen also wants to say something about a hut. So I'm going to end with one more quote um, poem. Dogan wrote, each moment, waking, sleeping, in my grass-thatched hut. I offer this prayer. Let Shakyamuni Buddha's compassion envelop the world. May our compassion envelop all of this world. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.